0: welcome to the nebraska's board weekly market roundup being brought to you by Nebraska soybean farmers and their checkoff i'm susan littlefield a quick shout back to bryce duskett for filling in for me last friday as i was announcing ringside at the Nebraska State Fair. So I appreciate him being a a pinch hitter for me last week. And on another side note, we are going to be on the road next week taking this show to Husker Harvest Days. We'll get you more details coming up about that. In the meantime, there's a lot of factors that are being worked in on this trade uh, today. A lot of waiting for this report to come out on Tuesday. We're going to take a look at that We're gonna take a look at some dryness that is happening and continues to be frustration as harvest gets underway and really the lack of export excitement. There's a lot to look at on this week's report coming up. Imagine a future fueled by soy-based possibilities. A future where creativity and productivity live together under one roof. A future that takes you from point A, to point B, to point Z, all while ensuring brighter tomorrows for our next generation. A soy-based future? It's already here. And welcome back once again. Joining me this week is Arlen Suderman. Arlen is with StoneX. And I, I told Arlen when we started the program, I said, guess what? It's all about you today. Well, you delivering us the information. Um, Our other marketing guests, unfortunately, had some internet connectivity issues. So Arlen, we get a chance to really dive in to those Stonex numbers. Uh, When you and I talked earlier in the week, um, that information wasn't available yet from your survey. So so what are you seeing in those numbers? Well,
1: again, this is a customer survey that we use and, and we do it once a month, August through November. And we ask in your trade territory, and these are commercials, Uh, So they're buyers of grain country elevators. They have agronomists who are walking the fields or talking to farmers. And we say in your area, what do you believe the final yield will be based on what you currently see? And so our September 1st estimate, which actually this year because of the holiday, we did it on September 6th, uh, was that the national corn crop would be 175 bushels per acre and soybeans 50.1. And uh, I recognize that corn yields are higher than what people might expect it to be, especially in the state of Nebraska, which has had more stresses this year. Uh, That's what we've seen. And I think this is a year when seed size is going to be big. And uh, where that seed size comes out is going to really determine our final yield. We've seen years when August was very favorable for big seed size, when the estimates came in low. Um, years when it was the other way, it came in high. Um, So we'll have to see what, uh, you know, what the final is. But right now, that's our best estimate of what the trade sees out in the field.
0: And as those combines really start to get rolling, it'll be interesting to watch along social media to kind of see what people are saying and how much um, truth, shall we say, frustration that might be shared with us.
1: Yeah, absolutely, and of course the problem is we all think that the whole country is the way we are in our own backyard. Um, and there is some very good corn out there. I personally think that there are some concerns that smaller seed size will end up with a yield smaller than that. Uh, and I think we're gonna have some, con- those concerns show up in the combine. Uh, this is a year when the crop is maturing very rapidly. So it's gonna be a quicker harvest. We're gonna find out sooner. Hopefully, the weather will cooperate with that. Um, But uh, what I'm most concerned about is about soybeans because we have less uh, room for error with the soybean crop uh, if it would end up being smaller.
0: I'm glad you brought up the soybeans because I know that dry land harvest is taking place just around my neck of the woods. And some of those preliminary numbers are not pretty. We're talking 20s, 25. Uh, bushels to the acre in some areas. So when you guys did your your survey, what was kind of coming back?
1: Yeah, um, and basically what we've seen is that Iowa and uh, Illinois, of course, are key production states. We saw Iowa fall just below 200 bushel, 199 bushels per acre um, on corn, uh, while Illinois held above 200 at 204. In Nebraska, we're at 180 bushels per acre for corn, 57 for, uh, for soybeans, and, and that's obviously one of those areas where I'm most concerned about seed size and what's going to happen there and pulling it down. Uh, so it'll be interesting to see how we go forth from here and where the numbers go. And of course, we'll be redoing the survey in October 1st. That'll start having some harvest results in it, which will tend to affect the survey numbers as well.
0: So I'm curious, I've heard heard some rumblings that says, you know, January's report is going to be more uh, influential than what we see in this upcoming report on Tuesday. But now I'm also hearing this report in between could also have some strong influence.
1: I would say this September report and the January report would be most influential uh, because this will be our first report with a comprehensive field sampling process, they really tell us. Until now, it's been, what does the field look like? What are the crop ratings? What's the weather gonna be like? What are the weather models gonna say? And uh, we've had some random sampling, even the pro farmer crop tour as extensive it is, isn't near as extensive as what this is. And that tour doesn't even, uh, it misses a lot of key production areas as well. Do, and we've talked about why that is, and there are good reasons for that. Uh, but this would be the most extensive sampling to date. This really sets the base. And then uh, I, there will be adjustments to it in January. You know, as the, as the year f- unfolded, I said back in July that I thought this would be the year when we have a lot of variability in private estimates. Uh, that's gonna create a lot of debate on social media, a lot of arguments on social media, and it certainly has. And it's gonna create probably a lot of changes in yield estimates from month to month in the USDA reports as we learn more about the crop. And I still think that's going to be true.
0: So are you going to look at a quieter trade Monday into Tuesday as we do some anticipation of these numbers to be released midday?
1: Yeah, Friday was really quiet in the grain trade. And I expect something similar on Monday, unless we have something in the outside markets that moves it or or something that happens in the Black Sea that moves it. I think Monday will probably be very similar And then brace for the potential for fireworks on Tuesday when that report comes out. Remember, the computers are the first thing to trade the numbers in the seconds that follow the the data release. And then the human factor comes in after that. So where we close on Tuesday will be critical.
0: Well, as we continue here at the Nebraska Soybean Board Weekly Market Roundup, Barlin, I'm curious, what's it going to take? to get some excitement to build for these export numbers. I mean, there's such an influence coming out of South America still that we're not used to.
1: Yeah, I did some work today on market share that the United States has in corn and soybeans. And it was similar for corn and soybeans where 30 years ago, we had 70 to 75% of the world market share of exporting corn and soybeans. Now it's between 25 and 30% market share. So it continues to be a problem. We're losing market share primarily to South America and primarily to Brazil. Brazil has tremendous expansion capability. They've been expanding acreage very rapidly in the last several years, but weather has held down production. Well, this is a year when weather didn't hold down production, it cooperated. And so all of that expansion and area really came to fruition in, in higher production this year taking market share away from us and unfortunately I think that's going to continue and so we need to continue to focus on expanding domestic demand. Well for corn that's kind of a problem near term because we still don't have the final approval of support for ethanol to be a a feedstock for sustainable aviation fuel for the subsidies for that. The White House has put that off until December and our livestock numbers are down, and it's going to take probably three years to rebuild those cattle numbers. Hog numbers are down this year, it will take as long to rebuild those, um, but that's domestic demand is going to be soft there as well uh, and uh, to offset the loss of export demand. Soybeans fortunately, we have good domestic demand. I think usDA is understating that right now. We just need to see kind of what China does on the export front here over the next several months to see whether the domestic demand increase will be enough to offset the lost export demand.
0: And still that big concern that comes with the Mississippi River and the Panama Canal as dryness continues.
1: A lot of people are discounting that, especially the Panama Canal problems. And it adds cost and it adds delays to whatever goes through the Panama Canal we can't ship everything through the Pacific Northwest. We need the Gulf. That's our main export terminal. And anything going to Southeast Asia has to go through the Gulf or go all the way around South America, around Africa. And it's going to add about 30, 35 cents a bushel minimum in order to take the longer routes.
0: What else are you looking at um, from, a, from a livestock perspective? You talked about those numbers being down. Um, the grain usage isn't going to be there. How do you see this rebuilding process starting to take place for the cattle?
1: Yeah, we expect to see the cattle industry start to rebuild in the fourth quarter of this year, depending on the weather patterns, if they do what we think they're going to do, etc., That means holding back heifers and slowing cow slaughter. That holds even more beef off, tighten, further tightens the beef supply. So far, domestic demand has held up really well, much better than what we anticipated. Uh, But at some point, Prices are going to get to the point, be it just because of prices for beef and or a decline in the economy where the consumers start moving down the value chain, which will actually support the hog industry at the expense of the cattle industry. Right now, we're also filling the holes in in supply with increased imports Our increased imports out of areas like Australia and New Zealand have almost doubled. Uh, So that's filling the void right now. But it's going to be a three-year process getting the industry whole once again.
0: And I heard that the demand mm-hmm. for hamburger, though, um, continues to grow with the car.
1: Yeah, exactly right. The first thing we see is a decrease in demand for steaks moving toward hamburger. And then beyond that, moves to pork and to poultry. So that's one of the stages that the consumer is going to go through in this process.
0: Lots of great stuff that we talked about today, Arlen. I appreciate you uh Going along for this ride solo, um, I want to ask: What's the best way if somebody wants to have a further conversation with you or follow you on on social media? How do
1: they do it? StoneX.com or on on X, which used to be Twitter. Uh, my handle is Arlen A R L A N F F one zero one.
0: Well, thanks so much for Arlen Suderman joining us. So, because you always remind you, commodity futures and options do involve a substantial risk of loss, not suitable to all investors. And that's the Nebraska Soybean Board Weekly Market Roundup.